Welcome, everyone, to the CFF Commissioner's Corner Podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Needham, and I'm joined in studio. It's been a minute, but I'm joined in studio by the man himself, the CFF expert, Mr. Jeremy Butterball Van Curen. Butter, how are we doing this evening, bud? Man, I'm doing good, man. You you look really, really good. It's been a while since we've got to do one of these in the studio. It's been about a month, man. So, you know, college football kind of ended. So we, we hit kind of a, a period there to where it's like, hey, look, we can take a little bit of a break here. Uh, and, uh, and we've done so. But, uh, man, it's time to get back in the saddle, bud. And I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, like we did this uh, – Pretty much um, the last the last year since August and um, or August or July, you know, it's late August. And yeah, so, yeah. like, I've I've missed this. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, like right now, I mean, there's not really a lot of football going on. I mean, um, got some FCF stuff. That's kind of fun, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but man, I mean, <laughs> some of those games, I mean, um, they're really. Uh, blowouts. <laughs> yeah, it's it not not quite the same. I think that is a fair way to put it, my friend. So, but you know, we've got a lot to talk about, butter. So we've got uh, conference schedule releases, right? So most of the uh, the Power Five, con- well, all the Power Five conferences have released their 2021 schedule. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, we've got coaching carousel updates, lots of moves there. We've got transfers galore. Uh, so we're definitely going to spend a lot of time talking about transfers, the transfer portal, who's out there, who's fantasy relevant from a transfer standpoint, and then obviously. You know, March 1st was kind of a, a deadline, if you will, for college football. You had your super seniors, right? So those seniors that were granted an extra year of eligibility, the deadline is passed. And so you're either in or you're out uh, from a NFL draft or coming back for that extra year of eligibility for college football. And so for fantasy purposes, that that's relevant. Uh, we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more, my friend. But as always, before we get into it, we have to show some love to our favorite sports bar and, of course, our primary sponsor, I'm talking about Chalk Sports Bar. So everybody knows about Chalk Butter, 1324 West Memorial Road, Chisholm Creek Plaza. Again, the best sports bar in town. You can follow Ben, Chad, and the entire Chalk team on the web at chalkokc.com or follow them on Twitter and Instagram at chalkokc. And Butter, we're in the midst of our Eat More Chalk, Play More Golf giveaway, my friend. And so that's going to run through March 31st. So you've still got roughly a month, right, 27 days left. The weather is going to be incredible for the month of March. I, I can feel it, right? So uh, I, I know that the weather was so bad in February. It's going to be great in March. We're going to be able to get out and play so much golf. Go out, play golf, bring in your scorecard to chalk, right? Uh, Sports Pros Network, YSO Podcast, uh, the CFF Commissioner's Corner Podcast, something to let your server know that you're a friend of the network, that you listen to all the great pods that we have. You're going to get half off your burger or sandwich, and you're going to be entered into a drawing for a giveaway, a table giveaway for four and a $200 gift card to Chalk on Master Sunday, Butter. So the best seat in the house on Master Sunday in April. We're looking forward to that, my friend. And you you, you dabble in golf as well, right? I do. You swing the sticks from time to time. So we got to get you out there and get you back on the course here uh, over the next week or so. But eat more Chalk, play more golf, go out, play golf, drop that scorecard off. Again, a great giveaway, a fun contest, and we're looking forward to doing that. Always the favorite, that's Chalk Luxury Sports Bar. The best damn sports bar, period. Oh, my friend, I have missed you saying that. So, well, Butter, let's dive into it. And I think what we want to start with is a new story that came out uh, earlier this week. And we'll get into conference schedules and transfers and all the fun fantasy-related stuff here. But new story comes out, Alabama moving ahead with plans to host a full-capacity Bryant-Denny Stadium come September. And now that's 100,000 plus, right? One of the bigger stadiums in college football. Um, 
Your thoughts on this, obviously, a lot of announcements here at the state of Texas, right, lifting their COVID uh, uh, limitations or restrictions, if you will. Next week, I believe we're recording this podcast here on March 4th. I think March 12th or something is what their date was. We want people back in the stands, right? So we want full stadiums. That is part of the atmosphere and one of the reasons why we love college football. We also want it to be safe. Your thoughts on some of these big-name programs saying, hey, we're moving ahead and we're going to have a full stadium come September. Well, I mean, it's kind of one of those things like where you uh, you you agree with it, but then there's you kind of you're kind of on it, the fence yeah, about it's it. It's tough. Yeah. It is. Um, it is. But you know, I mean, with the way that college football is, I mean, that's uh, a very very big generating generates a lot of money for colleges and stuff. Uh, so I mean, I would think one of the things that they Obviously, COVID's not going away. Um, I think we are getting better with it with the vaccinations. You know, I mean, um, I think it's getting – I think every day is getting safer. But, you know, I mean, we're, we're still having people people die from the the the, um, the COVID and the uh, disease or whatever you want to call it. But, um, you know, I mean, people just – whenever they, they go to these ball games, I mean, I think they're just going to have to be – kind of safe like we are right now. I mean, wear masks. I mean, um, obviously, I mean, you're not going to be able to social distance with 100,000 people in there. It's going to be tight. It's going to be tight. I mean, obviously, I mean, you you still have to um, kind of be as safe as you can. I mean, I I think there's probably going to be a lot of hand sanitizer in there. I mean, obviously, people are going to have to be smart about it. If if you're sick, don't go to the damn game, you know. I mean, um, take care of your neighbors. Take care of the people that surround you. I mean, uh, that are around you during the game, obviously. I mean, if they do this, I mean, I, they're probably going to be one of the first ones, obviously, that uh, kind of put this to the test. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, it'll be interesting to see, right? So spring football right around the corner, right? Here we are at the 1st of March. We think about spring football games being in mid-April, I think, for most of the power conference schools, you know, maybe into even into late April, depending upon weather and when things kind of get started. But you know, potentially maybe there's a test run, right? In some of these warm weather locales, states that are that are more open than others, right? You think about Texas, Florida, uh, some of those states to where maybe they they bring a few people in for the spring game. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, and like you you kind of touched on this um, kind of during the introduction. You know, I mean, like the FCS schools. I mean, they're playing kind of like a like spring football right now. I mean, obviously, I mean they're not going to play nine or ten games like they would during the regular season. But you know, I mean, a lot of them are playing two, three possibly even four games. You know, I mean, obviously, I mean, like right now, it's going to get them better for for next year anyway because they're going to be – they would be playing spring football and practicing right about now anyway. So, I mean, um, they're not going to have to really have have spring practices um, like they normally would because they're pretty much preparing for the games that they're playing right now. Yeah, and I think it may be only one FBS school. I think New Mexico State, I think, is participating in the spring, if I'm not mistaken. So they're playing a couple – I know they got thumped by Tarleton State of Texas uh, FCF school yeah, a week like, or so ago. That but was I think- so mind-boggling because, like, <laughs> the – I mean, you think – I mean, I know Tarleton State. I mean, they're a really good FCS school, but they played New Mexico, and, I mean, I don't think that game was even – 
remotely close. Yeah, Forty to seven or something like yeah. that was a final score. It was a butt kicking, that's for sure. But uh, but you know you're right. I mean, you can look at it if you're going to play three or four games over a month stretch. That it's not a lot different than spring football, right? Whenever you think about it in those terms, and in you know being a shortened schedule, you hope that they're able to kind of get back on a normal schedule in the fall, and everybody, both FBS. FCS can all kind of get back to a normal schedule. But speaking of schedules, Butter, most of, I mean, again, all the Power 5 conferences and, again, most of the G5 conferences as well have released their 2021 conference schedule. So uh, still a few schools ironing ironing out, excuse me, some some, uh, last-minute details for non-conference matchups. But for the most part, the conference slate is set. And so, you know, let's take a look at it, but where do you want to start? What what conference? Do you, I mean, we probably have to start with the SEC, right? So, I mean, they are probably the premier uh, uh, college football conference, both from uh, just a performance on the field, but from a fantasy standpoint as well. But, you know, we I have to start with Alabama, right? An opening, one of those, those big opening games that Alabama has kind of become known for here over the last few years against Miami. And that's going to be fun, right? So one of those neutral site games. I don't know if that's in Jerry's world or I think it's in Atlanta. I think it may be in the uh, Mercedes-Benz Dome there in Atlanta where that's going to be. That'll be an exciting, uh, that'll be an exciting football game to watch. I mean, obviously, I mean, you think of Alabama, I mean, you, you got to think, Bryce Young's probably going to get the nod at quarterback. Yeah, breaking in a whole lot of new starters, yeah. Uh, yeah. Then Miami, I mean, uh, hopefully Derek King's uh, injury that he suffered during the bowl game, I mean, hopefully he's back 100%. But, you know, I mean, that stuff like that you never really do know. I mean, because, I mean, he – it's a pretty significant injury, I mean, that he, that he took. So. Well, especially a guy that's so explosive, too, right? Yeah. So that, that's part of his game is being able to uh, be mobile and get out of the pocket and make plays with his feet. And so, yeah, but I, I'm excited about that game because a lot of the unknowns, right? You mentioned it right there. Is De'Aaron King going to be back? Is he going to be healthy? Alabama breaking in a ton of new starters. What are they going to look like? You mentioned Bryce Young. I've got him in our fa- fantasy dynasty league, so I'm excited for that game uh, to see what uh, Bryce Young is going to look like. But go to Georgia. As well, Butter, Georgia, Clemson, week one. Right, an opening uh, a slate of games there, or an opening week matchup, I should say, that uh, is definitely a mouth-watering, tasty matchup there. You know, your thoughts about that. You know, same thing with Clemson, right? They're breaking in a lot of new starters. DJ Uyunglele, who I've got him in our Fantasy Dynasty League as well, bud, so I'm set up well, uh, at the quarterback position in our Fantasy League. But that's going to be exciting. You think about Georgia Seems like they've settled on a quarterback with JT Daniels. Things kind of looked pretty good for the Bulldogs at the end of the season, kind of the last month, bringing back a ton of starters on defense as well. But uh, Is Swift coming back or did he declare? Um, I can't recall. Yeah, a good question. I, I don't even know now. You, you, you caught, me, uh, caught me off guard there. But uh, I know that they got a lot of defensive guys coming back and then uh, obviously a lot of guys along the offensive line as well. But I think quarterback is – been their biggest bugaboo here over the last year or so. Uh, it seems like JT Daniels is the guy there. But your thoughts on that, Georgia Clemson? Who, who are you going to pick? I'll put you on the spot right here. Six months to go. Man, uh, that that's that's tough. I mean, obviously, I mean, if you look at, like, who's returning the most people, I mean, obviously Georgia, I mean, they're return, returning uh, JT Daniels, probably Swift, a lot of their offensive linemen, a lot of their – Defense. Georgia always has a really, really good defense. I mean, um, and I think Georgia's kind of becoming one of those schools, um, not necessarily, not necessarily as elite as like Alabama, but I mean, Georgia's kind of getting to like where they reload. Which, yep, um, absolutely. Which you know, I mean, Kirby Smart. I mean, he, I mean, he, he knows how to build a program because I mean, he worked for for Nick Saban for many, many years. So I mean, um, but honestly, like if I had to pick it right now, I mean, with 
with it being the first um, game of the season and um, going by who they have coming back, um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna say Georgia. I mean, even though Eagle Eagle Lele, did I say that right? Yeah, DJU. Yeah, that's DJU. fair enough. <laughs> I mean, even though he he did play uh, he did play good against he Notre played Dame. Well. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he I played mean, well the, in those the, two to, games. the times that he did fill in yep. um, for for Trevor Lawrence. I mean, but you know, I mean, first game of the year. I mean, I think um, Clemson's probably gonna have some bugs to work out. I mean, and and. Don't get me wrong, I mean, I still think Clemson's going to be a hell of a football team, and they will compete um, in the ACC. But you know, I mean, first game of the year against Georgia. I mean, I think Georgia's probably going to have the more the more veteran team, I guess you would say. Um, I think it's fair. Well, to, I think Clemson has some things to work out on the offensive line yes. too, butter. So we saw that in the playoff against Ohio State. That uh, there, there's there's some cracks there, some chinks in the armor, if you will, on the, along the O line. And you know that Georgia's going to be a stout up front on both sides of the ball, uh, and uh, certainly that defensive line, linebacking crew that's going to be able to get out of the quarterback. And so I think that's that's going to be the matchup that determines uh, what goes on there. And I'm with you. I would lean towards Georgia. What you know, Georgia probably be a slight favorite in that game if I had to guess whenever we get to uh, Labor Day weekend, but uh, that's going to be a fun one. You take a look at a couple other early uh, slate games there, early season games in the SEC, but LSU at UCLA, that's going to be a fun one. Uh, You you think about Tennessee and Pitt. I think that's an old-school classic matchup there. Uh, That's going to be a lot of fun there. I'm looking at, oh, you know, you've got – oh, let's talk about Texas A&M. We were talking Mm -hmm. about them before – the pod began, butter. And for fantasy purposes, and again, this is a CFF commissioner's corner, so we do have an emphasis and a focus on fantasy standpoint. AM's defense looks like they may be one of the top available fantasy defenses. You look at the opening slate, Kent State at Colorado, which Colorado probably outpunched uh, their weight uh, in, in the uh, uh, the shortened Pac-12 season uh, last year, abbreviated there, then kind of got caught up with at the end. New Mexico, Arkansas, Mississippi State, Alabama in College Station. Now, Alabama, that's that's not a great matchup. At Missouri, South Carolina before they get to a bye, and then to have Prairie, Prairie, Prairie View A&M on the backside of that bye as well. They've got a lot of tasty, favorable matchups, especially for a team that's probably going to run the ball a lot as well, but probably one of those teams you want to draft high, right, from a fantasy defense standpoint. Yeah, I mean, um, by looking at their schedule, I mean, like I said, I mean, if, <laughs> if they're available in our league, I mean – I'm definitely looking at them, and I could be a buyer on them. Um, also, with the the SEC this year, I mean, you also got to think, you know, I mean, Vanderbilt, coaching change. Um, Tennessee, coaching change. And who who knows if they're even going to – if they're going to be on probation. Auburn, I mean, too. Yeah. Uh, South Carolina, coaching change. Uh, I would say with all the coaching changes, um, with some of the teams going to be down, I mean um, – there's obviously four teams that I mean I don't think will compete, but I mean it's Florida, Georgia, Alabama, LSU. Even throw Ole Miss in there. I mean uh, Ole Miss was uh, very very good on offense. If they could figure out some way to play defense, and they recruited I mean, well, so they had a good good uh, good first class there for. Uh, I mean because uh, Lane Kiffin, uh, Ole Miss. I mean they um, they can score points, and I mean if you think about last year. Hell, they were in a shootout with um, Alabama, and Alabama just, I mean, was able to stop them. Ole Miss was not able to stop Alabama. I mean, it was a, it was an exciting game. Yeah, it was 63-48, I think, was the final score of that game, if I remember correctly. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of fun watching I, that one. Like I said, I think, I think LSU, I mean, will, uh, will definitely be back. Um, we'll be better than what they were last year. 
I guess my homerism, I mean, but I hope uh, homerism being an OU fan, I mean, I hope that South Carolina and I hope Tennessee, I mean, I hope that they can figure out a way to win some ball games with the guys that they have coaching. Yeah, and I think Obviously, it, you got Shane Beamer, who was yeah, uh, that's right, Shane Beamer, South uh, Carolina, South Carolina, and you got Josh Heupel, former OU quarterback, going to Tennessee. Yep, and, and I'll say you know Kentucky might be interesting from oh, a fantasy Mark defense, Stoops, yeah. butter. Uh, you you look at their schedule: Louisiana Monroe, Missouri, Chattanooga, all at home. They go on the road to South Carolina in Week Four. Uh, Florida LSU at both those games at home, not great matchups. At Georgia, they get a bye week, and then at Mississippi State, Tennessee, at Vandy, New Mexico State. There's a stretch there after that bye that those four matchups are all re- decent uh, from a defensive standpoint, and then maybe the opening four matchups are pretty good there. And so, you know, uh, as well as I do, if you can get eight starts out of your defense yeah. uh, in a fantasy standpoint over a course of a 12-, 13-week season, that's pretty darn good. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and the thing with uh, Kentucky, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, uh, Mark Stoops, brother of Bob Stoops, I mean, those guys know how to coach defense. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, since uh, he's been at Kentucky, I mean, really the problem, which I mean, Kentucky obviously, I mean, it's a it's a basketball school. I mean, it's a it's one of the probably one of the harder jobs in the SEC. And plus, I mean, like you're having to compete recruiting against Alabama, Auburn, Florida, Georgia, LSU. I mean, although Texas A&M in there as well. I mean, you're 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 having to uh, com- compete recruiting against some of these guys. So I mean, you're not getting four or five star recruits like um, Alabama is like on uh, every year. So, I mean, um, but like I said, Kentucky, Mark Stoops knows how to coach defense. And I mean, that's one, that's one good bright spot about Kentucky is they know how to play it. Yep. I agree a hundred percent. Well, well, let's go to the big 10 butter. So uh, let's talk a little big 10 football here. That schedule is out. Uh, anything that jumps out to you from a Big Ten standpoint, you know, you think about kind of big matchups early on. Uh, you've got Ohio State and Minnesota. You know, they're starting off with a conference matchup there. That one's going to be interesting there. Minnesota, you know, maybe fell back a little bit. Uh, didn't quite have the 2020 season uh, that uh, that they had to kind of match the the great breakout 2019 season that they had. Uh, Ohio State obviously going to be favored in that one. No shock there. Wisconsin and Penn State. Again, opening up there on Labor Day weekend, September 4th. I think that one is interesting. Uh, and then uh, you have, well, what was I looking at there? I, I lost my spot. Oh, yeah, Northwestern Michigan State, right? So you had you know Northwestern on that great run last year. Uh, it ended there in East Lansing, right? I think we'd called that game at a big upset there yeah. that uh, uh, Michigan State pulled the upset against Northwestern. Maybe a little bit of revenge factor there. But uh, any early season slate games that kind of jump out to you? Obviously, we'll talk about Nebraska and OU whenever we get to OU schedule as well. Yeah, I mean, bi- I mean, big red rivalry, obviously. I mean, that's excited for that. Yeah, that's September one of the games 18th. That I'm, I'm yeah. very, very excited about. Uh, but put me on the spot, uh, first couple games, I mean – I mean, I would have to say Ohio State, Minnesota, just because um, kind of like uh, Clemson, Ohio State's going to have to replace a bunch of bunch of guys. Yeah, um, you're right. So, and you know, I mean, like that's you said. At, that game's at Minnesota, too. You, and so, like you yeah. said, you know, Minnesota, I mean, kind of had a – I wouldn't necessarily call it a down year. I mean, it was a <laughs> – I guess we'll start calling it a COVID year. You yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, you kind of got to throw last year out, right? So for, for those because obviously, of, I mean yeah. – um, you really didn't get to see, um, for sure, like the Big Ten's complete body of work. I mean, only playing six or seven games at the most. I mean, they obviously didn't play as many games as like the, the Big 12 or the SEC or some of these other schools. But, I mean, honestly, I mean, like looking at the schedules, I mean, 
I really hope that they get to play all these games because there's a lot of good matchups. I mean, like the Big Ten is the Big Ten is fun to watch because I mean a lot of these schools play uh, smash mouth uh, football. You know, I mean uh, that's where you get a lot a lot of your low scoring games is the big is the Big Ten. I mean, and it's it's not just one week; it's week in and week out. Yeah, we talk about, you know, Wisconsin-Penn State. I, I like that one as an opening week matchup there in the Big Ten. I think that one's going to be a lot of fun. But you look at Wisconsin slate, they host Penn State, they host Eastern Michigan, uh, Notre Dame, and Michigan. They get four home games in a row, but three of those four games, that, that's going to be pretty tough, man. So mm-hmm. Penn State, Notre Dame, and Michigan all coming to uh, 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 Madison. That That's not going to be a uh, – they're at Camp Randall. That's not going to be an easy out. And then they all, also, by the way, they get Army as a non-conference game as well, which Ooh. we know firsthand – that's a tough out, especially yes. whenever you get them in the middle of the season, right? So get to prepare for that crazy option offense. And so uh, Wisconsin's schedule is incredibly intriguing to me, not necessarily from a fantasy standpoint, but just to see what happens with the Badgers there. Well, I mean, that game right there, I mean, obviously, I mean, Wisconsin, they, they know how to play defense. So, I mean, and Wisconsin is one of those teams that they want to run the ball first. I mean, you think about uh, Melvin Gordon, uh James White, um, Jonathan Taylor, right. Wisconsin. I mean, they have great running backs, and it seems like year in and year out. I mean, they have a running running back that can pound the rock and wear teams down. So, I mean, that's like you brought up a good point. That's another good game because uh, obviously Army they run the option. So, I mean, in that game right there. I mean, if if Army first team to seventeen is going to win, right? yes. so that's going to be a low scoring affair. If Army, and that's what's so so difficult to say, if Army can wear Wisconsin down, if you can wear a big 12, Big Ten defense down, which I mean is hard to do. I mean, I think Army, whoever has the ball last, probably wins that ball game. No, you're right. That that's going to be a fun one to watch there, and uh, uh, yeah, you're, <laughs> that game may take two hours and ten minutes. <laughs> that <laughs> clock will be running uh, nonstop on that one. Well, 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 let's move to the ACC butter. So again, kind of continuing talking about schedule releases, kind of analyzing some of the early uh, games here and some some interesting schedule uh, tidbits, if you will. But you know, we talked about it on the SEC side, Clemson, Georgia, obviously the premier matchup early on, but you got Florida State, Notre Dame. And uh, the opening weekend of uh, – it's not ACC play, right? So, in Notre Dame goes back to yeah, an independent that, that's is what, what I was, was fixing to ask you that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, still uh, that loose affiliation with the ACC. So, Notre Dame's going to play a lot of ACC schools. Louisville and Ole Miss, that one's going to be intriguing. And uh, the opening weekend there, tons of points in that one you'd expect. I, I, I'm excited about that. We talked about Miami and Alabama. Uh, but you also have North Carolina and Virginia Tech, a big ACC matchup on the opening weekend there. I think that one's intriguing as well. But Florida State-Notre Dame, outside of Clemson, Georgia, that's got to be the premier matchup, right? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, Florida State, like – you, you, th- you think about uh, – think back, like, uh, one of the big games, because like, I'm, I'm assuming that's that's Labor Day weekend, correct? That is, yep. Yeah. So, I mean, um, in years past, like, uh, that weekend, seems like uh, one of the big games was always Florida State versus Miami. Yep. It was an yeah, opening and, weekend matchup. Yeah. And, and and now they're not uh, – they've scheduling. I mean, they've, they've kind of pushed that game back, you know. But, yeah, I mean, um, Florida State, I mean – Obviously, I mean, um, they were they were very very down this past year. Um, so I mean, I don't know. And Notre Dame's another one of those teams that 
they're going to be replacing their quarterback. They're going to be replacing quite a few people. So. It seems like Jack Cohn, the transfer from Wisconsin, Wisconsin is going to yeah. be the starter there, kind of a, a, a – a stopgap. That, that's that sounds bad. I don't mean to discredit uh, his ability as a quarterback. I mean he did what he was asked to do at Wisconsin. Once he gets in Brian Kelly's system, I mean hell, he, he might be able to turn it loose. We don't know, but uh, doesn't necessarily seem to be the long term answer there. Obviously from a transfer standpoint, but I, I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm excited to see that one. Well, I mean you think back like uh, and like you said, Jack come from Wisconsin. I mean the last passing quarterback that I can think of Wisconsin, that Wisconsin had was. Russell Wilson, and I mean, I think he just played his senior year there. Is that one year? Yeah, transferred after um, a graduate uh, transfer from NC State. Yeah. 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 So I mean, obviously, I mean, if you get a Division One scholarship and you go to Wisconsin and play quarterback, I mean, that's that's quite a bit of an honor. But I mean, Wisconsin, I mean, I don't think you put up a lot of passing stats. I uh, mean, that's fair. It's <laughs> I'll tell you, looking looking at the early weeks though, week three, September eighteenth. Uh, you got Virginia Tech against West Virginia. That's going to be exciting. You know, kind of a regional matchup there, although those teams don't really play old school, Big East type yes, of, uh, you yes, know, r- yeah. rivalry renewed there. Virginia, North Carolina is going to be interesting, I think. Miami and Michigan State, that's an interesting non-conference game. And then Louisville and Central Florida, UCF, right? And we'll talk about Gus Malzahn and the whole coaching car- carousel coming up a little bit later on in the pod. But I think week three is going to be interesting in the ACC as well. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like Louisville, I mean, their first – I mean, obviously, I mean, Eastern Kentucky's probably not going to be, uh, I mean, <laughs> a great game to watch. But, like, their first – two out of their first three games are probably going to be some some high-scoring high football games, you know. Yep, I agree. And so, we know that Clemson is always viable from a defense standpoint, from a fantasy standpoint. But, but I want to throw a team out here to you uh, that's interesting for me because you start looking at the schedule, Boston College. Right, so they, they, you look at the early slate there. Uh, you got UMass, you got Temple, you got Missouri. Now they have Clemson after that, and that's going to be tough. Then they get a bye week, and then come back with NC State, uh, Louisville, Syracuse, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, Florida State, and Wake Forest. But I think that early slate before they get to Clemson is very, very viable. Uh, good from a fantasy standpoint for the first four weeks of the season, and then you sprinkle in a couple of matchups towards the back half in November. Wake Forest, for for example, and then Virginia Tech at home. I don't think that'll be a high scoring game. Mm-hmm. That could be an interesting matchup as well. So I think keep an eye on Boston College. I think they might be viable. I mean, most of the Boston College fans, like if you told them that uh, they would be ten and two, they'd be thrilled. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. 100% agree there. So, well, that's the ACC, but let's do, we'll save our conference for for the end. Let's go Pac-12. Let's go Pac-12. Uh, their schedule release has come out. I mean, it looks like BYU joined the Pac-12. So, you start looking at every, uh, all the instances of that uh, that big Y, white Y in the blue background logo that pops up here, but uh, uh, interesting uh, release from the Pac-12, right, you get UCLA and Hawaii in week zero, right? We think about the last weekend of August. That typically doesn't count for most fantasy leagues, doesn't count in ours. That's usually whenever we have our draft uh-huh. uh, is that week before. So looking forward to that. But, you know, you look at some of the interesting matchups that are on that opening weekend. We talked about UCLA and LSU. That one's going to be fun right out there in the Rose Bowl. I'm excited about that. Stanford and Kansas State. Yeah, that, that, I, that, that, that is an one, intriguing yeah. matchup, right? So both of those uh, squads – you know, maybe a similar style of play, right? They like to run the ball. They like to kind of punch you in the mouth, play sound defense. And so I think that one's going to be intriguing there. Who, who would you take in that one, Butter? Stanford and K-State. Man, see, David Shaw still at um, Stanford, He correct? is. He's the man. Yep. Man, against Chris Kleiman. 
he's done well his first two seasons at K-State. Can't, can't argue. Has beat from from OU. an OU perspective, yeah. we don't like him. Yeah. Man, um, with Scholar Thompson coming back next year, um, man, I got to go with uh, Kansas State. Okay, I like it. I like it. That's one of those neutral site games there. I think that one's going to be played uh, down in Jerry's world, if I'm not mistaken. So, week two, maybe it gets a little more interesting, the Pac-12. You get that big Oregon-Ohio State matchup, right? They were supposed to play non-conference in 2020, but obviously COVID derailed all that shit, so we didn't get that game. But we get Oregon-Ohio State. That's going to be fun. Cal and TCU, I think, is interesting. We talked about Colorado and A&M. That's another neutral site game. I think that one will be fun. And then Washington and Michigan, Butter. Mm-hmm. That one's really going to be fun. So I think it's really um, – I, I say week two, Butter. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I guess it is week two, right? And you start looking at the schedule. They're, the week zero threw me off a little bit. But uh, um, September 11th, the weekend of September 11th, I mm-hmm. think, is the interesting weekend from a Pac-12 schedule standpoint, right? Well, so, I mean, like uh, you, you mentioned BYU. I mean uh, – I'm in Utah in that same weekend too. Yeah. See, I, well, I'm I'm thinking like, uh, you know, BYU. I mean, they're they're independent. You know, so um, yep. to me, it looks like on their schedule. I mean, because obviously they have a say so in who they play. Um, it kind of looks like that they kind of learned from the COVID per se, because um, a lot of these places that they're playing, a lot of the teams that they're playing. I mean. Uh, is closer than what closer as far as travel time. Yep. Uh, than both Arizona schools, yes. right? So they get yeah. Arizona, Arizona state, they get SC time, time uh, zone for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Utah, obviously uh, right down the road. That's a, a kind of a traditional rivalry there. And then Washington state, yeah, I play five, five or six of the PAC 12 squads. Uh, and, and maybe, you know, makes sense for them to have a loose affiliation with the PAC 12, similar to what Notre Dame yeah. has with the ACC. Right. So kind of an unspoken affiliation there, if you will, but, well, where is that uh, Oregon-Ohio State game? Where are they playing that at? I believe that is at Ohio State. So they were supposed to play in Autzen Stadium in Eugene this year, and again, that one got scrapped. So that one will be in Columbus uh, there at Buckeye Stadium. But, you know, any any team jumping out to you from a defensive standpoint, again, whenever the schedules first come out, you know, our first thought is to always to analyze these schedules from a defense standpoint, right? So fantasy defenses, and again, defenses maybe count a little bit more in our league with how we do our scoring than maybe a lot of other leagues, and so it's always really, really important. But, you know, you think Washington, right, mm-hmm. always a stout defense there, a favorable early schedule. You have that Michigan game there, uh, but, you know, Montana, the Grizzlies, right, FCF school, Arkansas State, um, is there a, a non-conference uh, a schedule there? So pretty favorable from that standpoint. Even Michigan is a tough matchup on paper, but you don't expect that to be a 45-42 game either. Right? right? That's going to be a smash-mouth, uh, low-scoring affair. Cal, Oregon State, before the bye week, those are pretty favorable matchups there. Uh, and then you get uh, a run there of Arizona State and Stanford on the backside of the bye and then end with Colorado and Washington State. And historically, Washington has always handled – Washington State pretty well from a defense. We think about historically here, I should say recently, right? In the Mike Leach era and then Nick Rolovic, uh, you know, going against those tough, wild, crazy offenses, Washington's always had a pretty good success against Washington State. So I think Washington would be a viable fantasy defense in the Pac-12. Any any other games or matchups or thoughts jumping out to you on the Pac-12, Butter? Man, maybe uh, the Sun Devils. Okay, yeah, I'm listening, I'm listening. So SUU. I think it's Southern Utah, I think, is who Southern that is, Utah. right? And so, then, yeah. I mean, UNLV, I mean, obviously, I mean, they haven't really 
done much per se. I mean, I um, have Tate Martell at quarterback, right? So maybe in the transfer portal there. So, well, he might have finally found a home. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. God bless him. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But you know, you get a stretch there, Colorado. Uh, uh, after that, UCLA, Stanford, Utah, uh, and then after their bye week, Washington State, SC, Washington. And then ending with Oregon State and Arizona so it should be favorable matchups there uh, for sure from a defensive standpoint. And, I mean, another one, um, USC, which uh, I mean, it it really kind of all depends, you know. I mean, San Jose State was actually a pretty damn good football team they were. last year. Had a great year. Um, I mean, kind of depends on who all they lost. I mean, obviously, I mean, uh, they play Stanford. I mean, I figure that's probably going to be a low scoring game. Um, obviously, Washington State. I mean, is is definitely not uh, the same offensive power as it was under Mike Leach, and then uh, then you also they play Oregon State, uh, Colorado, and Utah. So I mean, USC doesn't really have that yep. bad of a schedule. The first five or six uh, games of the year, uh, it, obviously, it gets uh, it gets tougher. I mean, because they play Notre Dame. I mean, Arizona. I mean, that's not going to be much end and, with BYU and, yeah. and they end with BYU. So, I mean, um, that's one of those teams that you could probably use four or five weeks. I would think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, well, well, let's go to the big 12 butter. We saved, um, I don't want to say the best for last, but we may save, save our conference for last. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about, uh, the big 12 and, uh, their schedule release. Now again, still, I think there's still a couple of squads hammering out some non-conference games there, but mm-hmm. start with OU, right? That's what we're, we're we know the most about. At Tulane uh, is uh, is the opening game there, uh, which is an interesting matchup. I mean, assuming that things kind of get back to normal, that wouldn't be a bad game to go to, right? So we kind of we were robbed of the Army uh, away game uh, up at uh, West West Point last year due to COVID issues, and so that one's going to be interesting. I think week two is Western Carolina, the home opener, maybe less uh, appealing, but a great defensive matchup. And then we mentioned it, right? We get that uh, that big matchup against Nebraska. Uh, there on September 18th. So I'm pretty excited about the renewed rivalry there with Nebraska. But, you know, from a conference schedule standpoint, Butter, who, what's kind of jumping out to you from the Big 12? Who gets a favorable slate? Or, or maybe i just start with OU, maybe kind of analyze their schedule. I mean, obviously, I mean, I would uh, I would take OU uh, versus Tulane, OU versus Western Carolina, and probably OU versus Nebraska, just for the simple fact that um, – Nebraska's not the same big – they're not the same power as they were in the Big 12 and the Big 8. I mean, um, they're, they're just they're just not there. I mean, obviously, I mean, their best record probably within the last 20 years because uh, I think they – 2001? That was the national championship year where they got thumped by Colorado uh, in the Big 12 championship uh, and then got thumped by Miami in the but national But they had Eric Crouch. I mean, obviously yeah. that was the last time I think that they won 12 games, I believe. And I, they've had, you know, I mean, nine win seasons. Obviously. They had a couple maybe sprinkled in a 10-win season too, um, yeah. I mean, obviously I think Bo Pelini, I mean, like like he averaged nine wins a year there. So, um, but I mean, I would, I would take OU uh, for sure the first uh, – three games of the year. I mean, Iowa State, I mean, that's one that I'm definitely going to have to do some research on because Iowa State has everybody coming back. I mean, I, I mean, Iowa State's going to be in the conversation 
for Big 12 champions. No, I agree. And we'll talk about Iowa State because they're from a returning seniors, the super seniors, if we're going to call them that uh, this year, Butter, with regards to uh, those seniors who are getting the extra year of eligibility and coming back and taking advantage of that. Uh, uh, Iowa State, one of the teams that maybe benefited most from that this year. But uh, let's, let's, let's start with the Cyclones, right? They open up with Northern Iowa. Again, one of the better FCF schools on a, on a yearly basis, but that should be an easy win there uh, given the talent discrepancy. And then always that uh, uh, annual rivalry with Iowa, right, which, again, we were robbed of it last year, but uh, they get them in Ames, right, so it's a home game. So that one's going to be interesting at UNLV, at Baylor, and then Kansas at home, and then by week at Kansas State. I mean, that's a pretty favorable start to the season if you can get past the Hawkeyes, right? I, I would be a buyer on that just because yeah, – uh, I agree. Iowa, I mean, it's definitely going to be a damn good game, but it's not going to be a shootout. Iowa likes to run the ball. Um, I think it's going to be a defensive battle. Yep, I agree. I, I think that that, uh, uh, that is an interesting slate. You come back on the back, it gets a little tougher on the back end, right? So yeah. you you have Oklahoma State and Texas both at home, so that's favorable there. But they go to West Virginia, to Texas Tech, and then that big, 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 big matchup, November 20th, uh, there in Norman against our Sooners. That uh, – that, could be the one that decides, I, maybe not the Big 12 chart, but maybe who's the one or two seed, right? So, because you expect both those teams to be at the top. Yeah, I mean, I'd take them the first five weeks of the year for sure. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. An interesting, interesting opening slate there. But, you know, let's, let's talk about Oklahoma State Cowboys, Butter. So, we, we got to show the Pokes some love here being in-state as well. Um, they open up with Missouri State, right? OU opened up with them last year. They are... They're an FCF program, and they're a bad FCS program. So that's going to be an easy win. And then you get the Tulsa Golden Hurricane in week two there at Boone Pickens Stadium. Tulsa was pretty good last year, Butter. So not uh, – not and, and, again, Tulsa, you know, they, they played them tough last year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, Tulsa should have won that game. I think OSU ended up winning that game 13-7, to and I think uh, Wallace had a late – touchdown titan wallace i believe but i mean uh that was a game where tulsa led the entire yeah, game three quarters until, yeah. yes so i mean uh obviously that's a uh, an old rivalry game um i mean i think i think tulsa and, and oklahoma state i mean i think that's going to be a, a good game i mean i think it's uh it, it's i think it's going to be close i don't think that they blow them out yeah well the following week september 18th at Boise State, that's probably the premier non-conference matchup for Oklahoma State. So a lot, of, a lot of orange on that field, uh, blue turf up there yeah. uh, in Boise, Idaho. But uh, I, that's going to be that's going to be a fun matchup. I'm I'm interested uh, in seeing how the Pokes handle that. And you know, Boise State maybe not quite the same threat that they were as a G5 school. We think back to that Fiesta Bowl that our Sooners suffered. You we continue to see that Statue of the Liberty Statue play. Statue of Liberty, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, Fifteen years later, but uh, um, you know they have Kansas State. And Baylor at home after that, get a bye week before they have to go down to Texas. Although they they played Texas pretty well over the last, mm-hmm. you know, almost the entirety of uh, Mike Gundy's tenure there over the last 15 years. We mentioned about Iowa State up there in Ames. That's going to be a tough one. Uh, you get Kansas at home, at West Virginia, TCU at Texas Tech, and then obviously ending with Bedlam uh, there on Thanksgiving weekend in Stillwater. That always scares me. Whenever we have to go to Stillwater at the end of the season, that's always a little spooky, Butter. Well, we've had some good games there, and we've had some bad games there. I think it's a fair way to put it. That is a fair way to put it. But, I mean, no surprise, OU and Iowa State probably going to be the favorites coming into it to repeat uh, as playing, uh, squaring off there in the Big 12 championship. But, you know, do you see 
you know, maybe a Texas uh, being able to kind of challenge that, maybe an Oklahoma State, you know, any any threat outside of Iowa State or OU, I guess put it in terms of if you were betting on it, Butter, and I know you and I like to uh, put a few shekels on games from time to time, would you bet on anyone but OU or Iowa State to win the Big 12 Conference this year? Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, uh, as far as OU's uh, schedule is concerned, one of the teams that we have to get past is K State. We've lost to them two years in a row. We've That's lost the week to, before OU Texas and, too, and, yeah. And we play them um, at K State yep. again this year, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. October second, I believe. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. for Tough some slot. reason, I mean, like I said, I don't know. I don't know if we get if we necessarily get out coached or if we just. I mean, the last two years, like. Um, we had some really horrible defensive uh, plays where we it's fair. Uh, we didn't tackle. I mean, um, the guys were running wide open. I mean, and and honestly, but as the year progressed this year, our defense got got better. So, I mean, hopefully, uh, the guys in Grinch's system. Hopefully, I mean, we can we can overcome that and figure out a way to beat them this year. Oh, I agree. Well, we let's talk about Texas before we move on and get to the coaching carousel. And obviously, Texas with a new head coach and Steve Sarkeesian, which we'll talk about here in a moment. The big non-conference matchup for them would, on paper, be old, week, week old, two. Old Southwest yeah, rivalry. Yeah. At Arkansas, Butter. But don't sleep on the Raging Cajuns in the uh, opening week there. Uh, Louisiana goes to Daryl K. Morrill. Daryl K. Royal, excuse me, Memorial Stadium there in Austin. And we saw what happened in the opening week to Iowa State last yeah. year with the, the Raging Cajuns, right? The big upset there in Ames. So um, now that element of surprise is probably gone, right? So you're not going to sneak up on somebody twice. So you would think that uh, Coach Stark would have the Longhorns ready for that one. But but don't overlook that one. Uh, that's going to be interesting. But yeah, Arkansas, that's going to be a fun matchup, right? Yeah. You mentioned old yeah. Southwest Conference rivalry. Yeah, I mean, and you know, I mean, Arkansas, I mean, they. Um... Last year compared to this year, I mean, obviously they've they've went through some coaching changes. Um, you know, I mean, uh, Chad Morris, Sam I mean, Pittman there now. Yeah, yep. Sam, uh, Chad Morris actually got 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 canned, and now uh, Sam Pittman's there. Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, like they look like a completely different football team last year. I mean, uh, which you know, I mean, they're rebuilding, but you know, I mean, they were uh, competitive in the games that they played. So, no, oh, I agree. I'm I'm excited for that matchup. Uh, a fun slate there. Uh, for non-conference matchups on Saturday, September eleventh. Well, can we look well. at TCU? Absolutely, we can. Let's look at Gary Patterson in the Horn Frogs. Butter. Uh, who do they have? Um, Cal Golden Bears. Uh, is there a premier non-conference matchup, if you will, there on Saturday, September 11th? Again, their traditional rival uh, against uh, SMU there uh, on sept- uh, Saturday, September 25th as well. But uh, um, a fun, fun, yeah. Non-conference slate for them. I think Hell, with Cal, that's interesting. Four games are at home. They are, yeah. And, get, yeah. and the first five games, they don't even leave the state of Texas. You get Duquesne, <laughs> uh, the Dukes there as the opening slate. That's definitely going to be a win. But, uh, yeah, you're right. So, uh, first time they leave the state of Texas is against our Sooners on October 16th. And TCU has always been a tough out for OU, especially in Norman, right? There's some you know, close matchups there over yeah. the last few years. But, uh, um, yeah, interesting slate uh, for uh, TCU. They're probably a viable defense for the first four out of five weeks, if you want to call it that. So uh, a favorable non-conference slate there uh, for the Horn Frogs as well. But they end uh, at Oklahoma State, Kansas, at Iowa State. So two out of three, uh, that's going to be a tough uh, tough way to end the season there on the road 
uh, for Gary Patterson and TCU. So, well, well, Butter, let's get into some coaching carousel news, right? And so we probably want to focus on head coaching changes, but um, we talked about some of these back in early February, late January after the last pod before we took our break. Uh, But a, a couple other moves have taken place, right? So UCF, they officially hired Gus Malzahn to replace Josh Heupel. I, I, think think that's that's, a, I think that's a home run hire. Uh, you and I are on the same page there. I think that is a winner, right? You mentioned Shane Beamer, right? Former Oklahoma assistant. He's taken over for South Carolina. Butch Jones, Alabama assistant, taking over for Blake Anderson, who goes back out to Utah State there for Arkansas State. Arkansas State's been a fantasy-relevant team over the last few years. I think that may be an interesting move. We think about Butch Jones and what he did at Central Michigan way back when, right? So he had some fantasy-relevant players there. So he might be able to continue that uh, uh, short but proud fantasy history there at Arkansas State. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that. Any other names that kind of jump out to you? Obviously, we talked about Coach Sark, yeah. Sarkeesian, and the expectations are sky high uh, down in Austin as – well, they should be, uh, but uh, maybe maybe talk about Coach Stark. What do you expect from UT this year? Man, I mean, I expect them to be pretty pretty competitive. I mean, uh, now I mean, do, do I think that they're going to go undefeated? Do I think that they've got a lot of people to replace? I mean, um, they've got to replace Sam Ellinger, um, which I mean, I think that they probably. I think Casey Thompson probably gets that job, but I mean, he did pretty well. Hudson uh, Card, I think, is the other guy that in, they're in the in on, the bowl right? game, and then you also got uh, Hudson Card, what five star recruit. I mean, yep. see how he yep. does. Honestly, I mean, looking at the the coaching changes, I mean, I think the the hail mary pass where we they overthrew the receivers by ten yards in the end zone is probably the Tennessee Josh Heupel. I mean, I think, I think um, I'm glad that Josh Heupel got that job, but I also think that. The state of the Tennessee program, I think it's in a mess. I mean, uh, and it's one of those things like where the NCAA hasn't came down on them, and when I think when they do come down on them, I think it's it's not going to be good. I mean, I don't think it's going to be a slap on the wrist. Yeah, we think about the uh, the story about the uh, cash in the McDonald's bags, right? Yeah. So, so hey, you hope that that stuff isn't true, but uh, certainly seemed to be a whole hell of a lot of smoke there. So yeah. uh, we'll we'll kind of wait uh, and. See the official report on that. Yeah. The, the the one that I think I was most surprised with was, um, and I think me and you had talked about it was was Doc Holiday. Yep, yep. You know, I mean, uh, three or four years ago, I mean, he he led them to like an 11, 12, 12 win season, and I mean, seven and three this year. But I mean, his contract wasn't renewed, so I mean, obviously, I mean, I mean, maybe, um, I mean, maybe he just, I mean, didn't get along with. Yeah, seems to be some, 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 the, some politics the people, you know involved I mean? there, Butter. So who, who yeah. knows? But I mean, hopefully, you know, I mean, uh, he's was definitely successful at um, at at Marshall. So I mean, who knows? Hopefully, he gets uh, another chance sometime. Yeah, and they had a great start to the season. They were undefeated for like yeah. the first six, seven games, right? And then kind of tailed off and I, uh, I, not not they, a, not a good end to the season, but I, a great I start. Say, I want to say that they started out six and zero oh and possibly ended one and three. And, and hell, they might have started out seven and zero. Oh and ended up lost the three. last three games. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think you're right there. So, so a good start, but uh, um, yeah, not the finish they wanted. And then obviously, I mean, uh, Brent Belima. I mean, going back to the the Big Ten. I mean, uh, he he was at uh, Wisconsin for a stretch, and then took the Arkansas, Arkansas job. Yeah. And then I think he actually got fired from from Arkansas. But he takes over for Lovey Smith, Terry Bowden at Louisiana Monroe. I mean, obviously, I mean, I think. Um, I'm glad that, that he's getting back into coaching, but I mean he he's 
kind of older now. So, uh, obviously, I mean, the Bowdens, I mean, they've been around for with football for as long as I can years, remember. Right? I mean, you got Terry, you got uh, Tommy, and, and then you Bobby. got uh, Bobby. So, I mean, um, I think that uh, the reason they bring him in, I think they probably bring him in for three or four years and kind of possibly groom. Um, I, I think some of the assistants that he brought in uh, probably end up taking over that job at some point in time. Yeah, that's probably fair. That's probably fair. So, well, no, interested to see how some of these new uh, coaching changes come out. In, in in future pods here over the offseason, we'll take a deeper dive into some of the coordinator positions, right, you know, specifically offensive coordinator for fantasy purposes. But uh, take a look at those uh, later on that uh, might have some fantasy relevancy as well. So, well, well Butter, we can't come back from a month-long break for CFF Commissioner uh corner CFF commissioner corner purposes without talking about transfers, right? So there's been uh, a ton of activity. There was a ton of activity in December and January, uh, maybe even more so in February. And, and I guess maybe we have to start with the story from a transfer standpoint that is kind of odd. Eric Gilbert, the stud tied in for LSU, transfers to Florida. Okay, understandable, right? That makes sense. He's going to Florida. They had a guy named Kyle Pitts who was just absolutely dominant this season. Is going to be a first-round draft pick. Uh, working in that system, he's going to maximize his ability there, maybe more so than than LSU's system. And and probably comes into that system and doesn't miss a beat. Absolutely. Just picks right up uh, where, where Pitts left off. Well, he's out again. So word broke uh, last week that uh, he is actually – transferring from Florida, going back into the portal without ever taking a snap for the Gators here. I, there's There's got to be more to this story, Butter. I mean, the guy is incredibly talented, six foot five, 252 pounds, a 4'640". The physical skill set is there. Uh, but, man, you got to wonder what's going on right behind the scenes. You, you got any predictions on where he ends up? I mean, obviously. He's a I mean, Georgia guy, right? Yeah, That's so where I mean, he's I, from, uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe Georgia, maybe Georgia Tech. I mean, uh you think maybe his SEC days are? You know, I don't. I don't. You know how that would work, right? So from a transfer standpoint, I. I, I don't. I'm not going to profess to be an expert on the portal and say, like, well, does he have to set out now because well, he formally enrolled at Florida? And how does that work? Well, yeah. I mean, you think back to like uh, Baker Mayfield. You know, I mean, uh, whenever he came from Texas Tech to OU, I mean, at first, I mean, Texas Tech wasn't going to let him wasn't going to let him transfer, which we had like a, yeah, a, it was rule a whole big brouhaha. Yep. We had a rule like where you really couldn't transfer in conference. Well, I mean, thank God that they worked that uh, situation out. I mean, obviously wouldn't have got Baker Mayfield, but you know, I mean, I, it's, it's going to be kind of um, interesting to see like exactly why he left um, Florida now, I mean, obviously, I mean, he left. Uh, we'll, we'll get the full story at some point. Yes, you would I think, mean, obviously, yeah. he, he left LSU because, I mean, he wasn't happy. I mean, um, and LSU was kind of a dumpster fire last year. So, um, but to go into the transfer portal twice and leave, I would say, I mean, I think LSU bounces back this year. I'm with you. Yeah. I, I think Florida, I mean, you know, I mean, they might win nine games this year. Uh, eight games, but I mean, they're definitely going to be competitive and that offense is definitely going to be competitive. I mean, uh, Dan Mullen's system, obviously, I mean, <laughs> made really good players out of like Kyle Trask made good players out of, uh, I think Kadarius Tony, I think yeah, they got um, a lot of receivers. Yeah. Pitts. Uh, Kyle Pitts. Yes. So, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see what, uh, 
what happens. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Florida might be in a similar position to what LSU was in 2020, right? Saying, hey, look, they're, they're going to they're gonna take a step back because you can't lose that much production mm-hmm. over the course of one season. And, and we saw – you know, what Florida had left in the Cotton Bowl, right, with the Sooners, yeah. right? And I know there was a lot of talk about Dan Mullen saying, hey, that that game didn't count. It was our B team, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you still have to go out there and play. And, you still got to strap the pads yeah. on. You still got to uh, go out there and play regardless of uh, – I mean, if you have your third string, I mean, you you got to be competitive. I mean – just because it's your third string, those guys are still three or four star people. Yeah, and I think it just shows the uh, disparity there as to maybe he doesn't have the depth that he wants just yet. And so I, I think we'll see that play out. And I'm with you. They Maybe they only win eight games or something like that, which – you know, in the SEC is still a, a challenge, right, to, to, to even get to that point. But uh, I'm with you. I think maybe they take a slight step back. Uh, as to what we saw last year. But, you know, talking about other transfers, Butter, uh, Big 12, uh, a, a tie-in here, uh, former Texas Tech quarterback, Alan Bowman, uh, he's going to Michigan. And, and so, obviously, Joe Milton, he transfers out of Michigan. There's there's a little bit of a void there at the quarterback position. Now, you know, Harbaugh has recruited well, and, and being a quarterback himself, he usually coaches up quarterbacks pretty well. Uh, but your thoughts on Alan Bowman going to, to Michigan, Not I, that was not a school I would have picked whenever no, he announced I- he was transferring. No, I mean, um, obviously, I mean, he did pretty well at Texas Tech. Um, Couldn't stay healthy, right? Yes. That was his problem. And, and you know, I mean, and, and maybe at, at some point, I mean, maybe, maybe that he got in his mind, you know, I mean, like, hey, I just need a fresh start, you yep. know. It happens. Um, but, I mean, obviously, um, Michigan's got Cade McManera, and then they've got um, another kid coming in, don't they? I think they recruited another guy coming in J. as J. well. J.J. McCarthy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. but, I mean – one of the things that, that is so odd is just like, you know, I mean, Jim Harbaugh, he gets some good guys through the transfer transfer portal, but, God, he loses a shit ton of people. Yeah, you're right. They had a lot of turnover on the coaching staff this year. Uh, again, kind of seemed like it was one of those deals as to, hey, look, you know, you have to fire your assistants or otherwise it's going to be your ass. And so uh, definitely going to be some changes, well, changes there for the Wolverines. Obviously, I mean, like he's kind of uh, – it obviously put a fire underneath his ass. I mean, because obviously, I mean, he uh, he knows that his time if he if he doesn't uh, if he doesn't turn that thing around, I mean, he's going to be gone. Because obviously, I think like his buyout is like very, 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 very minimal now. Yeah, I mean, uh, it is. Yeah, it, uh, you're right. And in, in order for him to stay, I think that they kind of forced him into signing that. Yep, you're right. You're right. Absolutely. Well, but you know, I mean, it, it's one of those things too. I mean. That's probably his college dream job. I mean, he wants to be there. I mean, that's his alma mater. mater but you know, I mean, um, God, I mean, how long? How long? How, how many years can you give him? I mean, um, he's got he's got to beat Ohio State. That's so, that's what it boils down to. Seven beat, and beat five, the seven and five, eight and four uh, every year, and not beating Ohio State's not going to do it up there. Yep, I agree. I agree. So let's talk running backs, Butter. So we we talked about a couple quarterbacks here. Uh, we we touched on it right before our last pod before we took the break. Uh, the Tennessee exodus, right? We knew that was happening. Eric Gray uh, signs on with OU. Uh, Ty Chandler uh, goes to North Carolina. Uh, but you have Demarcus Bowman uh, in the interim has uh, transferred from Clemson to Florida. You would think that he would be an immediate starter there for the Gators mm-hmm. uh, there in the backfield. With who they've lost, yes. Super talented guy there. And, and again, just a, it's a deep, uh, talented backfield there in Clemson. And so uh, you'd think that he would be the guy at Florida. You, your guy in our fantasy leagues, uh, dynasty league, Zach Char- Charbonnet, right? He's headed back out to California to UCLA. Mm-hmm. 
that one has some interesting, you know, tidbits to it from a fantasy relevancy standpoint, right? Because we saw the flashes of Charbonnet, talented guy, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to think uh, with uh, Chip Kelly's offense. I mean, at, up at Oregon, I mean, they always had a really, really good running back. Um, you know, I mean, you look at um, Demarcus Bowman. I mean, with the, with what Florida lost, I mean, you obviously think he comes in and is going to start. Eric Gray. Kind of the same predicament. I mean, we're going to have Kennedy Brooks back, but we're also losing uh, Stevenson, and I think Eric Gray kind of fits that Stevenson mold. Uh, Ty Chandler, you know what I mean? Going to UNC, they're losing both of their 1,000-yard running backs yep. to the NFL draft. So, I mean um, – well, You mentioned it's going to be an uphill battle for Josh Heupel, and this is part yes. of the reason why. <laughs> um, then Keontae Ingram, who wasn't necessarily a bad back at, uh, at Texas, but – they split carries, so I mean, they had uh, Ingram, they had uh, the former quarterback that uh, Roshan, Roshan Johnson, Johnson, yeah. But they, then they also had that freshman, and they all split uh, Demarcus Robinson, right? Uh, no, Bijan Robinson, Bijan yeah, Robinson. Yeah. So they all split carries. So I mean, but I mean, I think uh, yeah, I think Ingram saw the writing on the wall. That's going to be Bijan yeah. Robinson's uh, job. Yeah, he's he's going to be a stud. Yeah, yeah, For, certainly in that Sark system as well. So you'd expect him his usage rate to be through the roof in twenty twenty one. And then uh, DJ Williams, which I mean, yeah, Auburn guy, right, going to Florida State. But yeah. I think didn't he uh, did, did he opt out or did he was he did he I think he was just injured a lot and, okay. and then yeah kind of kind of ended up just uh, not playing a whole lot if I'm not mistaken. Well, yeah. I mean obviously I mean one of the reasons he probably left is because Malzahn's not at Auburn yep. anymore yep. but I mean I mean, who probably, probably another guy needed needed a fresh start, right? But so who uh, knows what Florida State's going to do? I mean, I agree. I agree. Well, well let's talk a, a couple of wide receivers butter again kind of kind of touching on the fantasy relevancy uh, positions. We talked about this back when we were doing the regular season pod because this was one of the first transfers to be confirmed. But Wandell Robinson going from Nebraska to Kentucky again. I think he's from Kentucky, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, I think we researched that. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think he was having family like, family was sick yes. or something like that. But yeah. but then we kind of read into it a little bit more. I mean, obviously, you know, Terry Wilson is not going to be the quarterback at uh, Kentucky anymore. New offensive and, and coordinator they hired an offensive yeah. coordinator. And uh, so Robinson, I mean, should fit that system very, very, very well. Uh, then you got Charleston Rambo, which, man, obviously, I mean, he took a step back this year. I mean, uh, I thought going into the year, um, you know, I mean, he he would put up some really, really big numbers. He put up okay numbers, but, I mean, it wasn't like – he didn't put up like uh, – Hollywood Brown numbers. You didn't put up CD Lamb numbers. You didn't put up Sterling Shepard numbers. Um, and it seems like Marvin Mims is going to be that guy for it, OU, right? And this year was his chance. And I mean, obviously, I mean, he's going to uh, he's going to Miami, which I mean, man, they throw the ball. They got they got Derek King. So I mean, um, hopefully it works out good for him. Uh, then we also had uh, Theo Howard, which he hasn't really said where he's going to go yet. But I mean. That just kind of goes to show you uh, whenever OU recruits, like what type of guys that they're recruiting because uh, Dio Howard obviously is one of those guys that uh, that really didn't make that big of an impact just because, I mean, I think he was down on the depth chart. Yeah, well, one that's a little further down the list here, Butter, that intrigues me just because I had him on our dynasty squad in our fantasy league, but Nate Craig Myers, right? He was a stud recruit at Auburn. Ended up transferring to Colorado State. You know, had some injuries. Didn't really work out for him there. He's transferring to Central Florida. 
to go play with Gus Malzahn again, right, to be reunited with the former Auburn uh, head coach there. And so I think in that offensive system against, you know, playing against week in, week out, arguably uh, lesser talent, right, on the, on the defensive side of the ball, you think about uh, the AAC there, uh, not, not quite the same as the SEC from a defensive standpoint. You know, keep an eye on Nate Craig Myers. I think that the talent is there if he can stay healthy, uh, and um, uh, kind of fit back in, reintegrate into that Malzahn system there in Central Florida, I think he could be fantasy-worthy. That one, That's going to be one to keep an eye mm-hmm. on here. So, uh, well, any tight ends, Butter? Let's maybe take a look at tight ends before we kind of move on here just quickly. Uh, we talked about Eric Gilbert. Uh, Grant Calcaterra yeah. obviously talked about that, right? He was going to go to Auburn. Coaching Hopefully change. he can stay healthy. Yep, I going mean, to SMU. Jalen Conyers, another guy, headed out west to Arizona State. That one uh, might be intriguing. And then uh, uh, Daniel Immortababy, right? So from Illinois to K-State, you know, we've seen you know K-State use the tight end, mm-hmm. the H-back in the past. That one might be interesting, right? Yeah, and he's got a hell of a name, too. <laughs> that is a hell of a name. You're right. So another local tie here, Jelani Woods from Oklahoma State, headed east uh, to go play for the Wahoos. They're Cavaliers of Virginia uh, as well, so that may be one to keep an eye on uh, in that system. The uh, they, I think Virginia's got a decent quarterback as well. The, the kid, uh, left-handed kid, uh, freshman is uh, his name escapes me now, but uh, he's got a little scrap to him. I think uh, Virginia uh, might be a fun watch from an offensive standpoint. I, I just I don't I don't think OSU um, like uh, I mean they utilize their tight end, but I think he's more of like a blocking tight end now. I mean I don't I don't think that um, yeah big guy yeah. yeah yeah that they that they Obviously, I mean, like this past year, I mean, whenever you have Chubba Hubbard running, running the ball and you got Titan Wallace and then you got all sorts of receivers to throw it to. I mean, the tight end probably doesn't get a whole lot it's of true. love. It's yeah. true, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, well, well, Butter, let's let's touch on the kind of the last major topic that we had for this uh, uh, revamping or, or kind of return uh, podcast, I should say, uh, was that of super seniors, right? So, again, we talked about it early on the pod, alluded to it. March 1st was that deadline. For seniors that otherwise would be, you know, moving on and eligible for the NFL draft, but because of COVID rules, the NCAA granted everyone an extra year in eligibility, a bonus year, if you will. And so they had until March 1st to kind of say, hey, I'm going to stay in the draft or no, I am returning and I'm going to come back and take advantage of that uh, extra season of eligibility there. But, you know, some teams or some individuals that are interesting from a fantasy standpoint, that kind of jumped out to us, but... We alluded to it earlier, Butter. I think Iowa State. You definitely got to yeah. start with them. I mean, half the—I mean, the entire team is returning. And again, it would seem like 2021 should be the Cyclones' year, right? So you got Brees yeah. Hall coming back. You got Brock Purdy coming back. You got those two tight ends, Charlie right? Charlie Kohler. Kohler and those guys coming back. All the—you know—pretty much everybody but one starter, I think, on defense coming back. They're big benefactors of that extra bonus year. And then also uh, a team that you know kind of snuck up on everybody: Coastal Carolina. The Chanticleers, right? I think they have 21 of 22 starters coming back on both sides of the ball. Again, partly uh, due to the fact that the seniors are returning for that extra year of eligibility. But, you know, what jumps out to you, Butter? Anything kind of stand out from a super senior standpoint as they're they're being dubbed here coming into 2021 with that extra year of eligibility? Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, uh, Derek King coming back, like uh, we we had talked about him and his injury. I mean, hopefully he comes back 100%. Skylar Thompson uh, up at K-State, you know, I mean, he he kind of had a gruesome injury as well. Um, Reggie Roberson uh, from Yeah, that's SMU. right. That's a good one. Yep. Yeah. Wide receiver. Um, I told you I was going to mention his name. Um, James Skalaksky. Skalaksky, yeah. Yeah, the um, linebacker for Clemson. 
but I mean, man, I mean he he he's got the name of a linebacker and he plays. Uh, he looks like a linebacker yes, too. He does, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you there. Um, Ronnie Rivers from Fresno State, I think, is interesting from a fantasy relevancy standpoint. Thousand-yard rusher, man. He's a pretty good player. Uh, Nick uh, Starkle, the quarterback yeah, San Jose from State. San Jose State. Yeah. That's what we, we, we were talking about them uh, versus USC. And so, yeah, I mean, obviously they've got him coming back. So, I mean, they should be pretty, pretty salty again this year. Yeah, I'm with you. Kenny Pickett coming back for Pitt, who – you know, is not the sexiest quarterback, but you go back and look at his stats, and he ends up putting up pretty good numbers whenever it's all said and done. So he started 36 games, passed for 8,000 yards, and uh, 39 touchdowns. And so, uh, again, most of those coming during the last year or so, right? Mm-hmm. So he, he's uh, he's becoming a little more prolific from a passing standpoint. You don't always think about Pitt being a, a – air it out, throw it all over the field. But he puts up some uh, sneaky good stats from a fantasy standpoint. So I'd keep an eye on him. Um, Levi Lewis. For Louisiana, right? We mentioned yeah. that uh, uh, opening week game against Texas, right? You know, Longhorns, got to keep your head on a swivel for that one. Uh, Louisiana's pretty good. Billy Napier knows how to coach them up. See, I think a lot of, like, especially, like, uh, the quarterbacks this year, I mean, man, I mean, there's so many, so many good guys that are in the draft. Um, there's just a load of talent at quarterback. So, I mean, I, I think it's a good idea for a lot of these guys that would either get drafted late or, or uh, sign free agent deals. I mean, obviously these guys are probably going to would, would have signed free agent deals, but I mean, come back, get another year. Yep. I mean, try I to improve their stock, you know, I mean, um, maybe get a little bit, get a little bit of guaranteed money, you know? Yep. I agree. Uh, on the wide receiver front, butter, I think Ty Freifogel from Indiana, that's interesting, right? You, you assume that Michael Penix Jr. is going to come back from that ACL tear and be ready to go in September. Man, he, he looked really good. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever he's healthy, man, he is legit. And he makes Indiana that Hoosier team again, yeah. one of the surprises of, of 2020, right? So well, they, they're pretty salty. He's you know, interesting. I, mean, I think they were five minutes away from beating Ohio State. Yep. You're right. You're right. Uh, Emeka Emezi uh, from NC State. He was on the fringes of fantasy relevancy in 2020, but I think with another year under his belt and more importantly with the NC State quarterback situation maybe being a little more steady and settled there, I think he could maybe move up and become uh, even more fantasy relevant uh, from that standpoint. And then, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Dustin Crum, right? Uh, Kent State quarterback, uh, again, only got to play, I think, four games last year, if I'm not mistaken, whenever the MAC, similar to the Big Ten, had a late start. And then mm-hmm. I think Kent State maybe even missed a couple games due to COVID postponements there. But he's legit, Butter. Uh, it was one of the higher-rated passers in that limited uh, action uh, in 2020 towards the end of the year in November. Uh, but if they get a full slate and they get a favorable schedule, he is definitely a top-ten fantasy quarterback. Dontario Drummond. Yeah, Ole Miss, right? Yes, Um I think he probably fits in exactly where Elijah Moore was at last yeah, year. Yeah, that top receiver there. And, again, a wide receiver and a quarterback in Lane Kiffin's offense is usually yeah. uh, fantasy-worthy, uh, uh, that's for sure. So, he might be worth a look. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, well, Butter, any other names kind of jumping out at you here, bud? So, Or, or is that kind of cover it? Yeah, local tie, Keelan Stokes, right, wide receiver from Tulsa. He's coming back. So, again, we talked about Tulsa against Oklahoma State in week two, right? That one might be interesting. Uh, Charlie Brewer, I mean, uh, kid that transferred from Baylor. Yeah, Baylor, yeah. U- uh, is that Utah now? Yeah, he's going out to Utah. Uh, that That's probably going to be kind of interesting. Um, man, I mean, and that's the thing, like this list should probably be so much bigger, but there's still guys that are in the transfer por- portal that 
haven't announced where they're going. Yeah, and we're kind of waiting on a definitive list, right? I was hoping that uh, there would be some sort of uh, uh, aggregation of uh, guys that have officially declared they're coming back and taking advantage of this extra year of eligibility, but it's kind of been piecemeal, so we've kind of had to put it together and uh, and go school by school here to determine uh, who some of those bigger-name guys are that uh, are returning to take advantage of it. But I'm sure, you know, again, it's, it's just the deadline was a couple of days ago. Uh, as, uh, as, as the dust settles on that, we'll know more about it, and there'll be more – information on that for uh, well in advance of uh, the drafts that will take place uh, later in the summer. Uh, that's for sure. So, well, Butter, I mean, we're up over the hour mark, my friend. And so I, I think that that will probably just about do it here. Again, lots to cover. Uh, excited to get back. Again, we're past March 1st. And so I think you and I, like a lot of other people, are just waiting on fan tracks to, uh, to roll the league over from a college fantasy standpoint, right? So we got to, you know, bug those guys, man. Send them emails, right? It's like, you know, writing to your local congressman, man. You got to get them, get them off their, uh, off their butts and uh, get them going again here. But uh, for our listeners out there, Butter, again, a lot of guys and gals are going to be considering fantasy dynasty offseason trades here. I know you and I are deep in the lab on the weekends, kind of working on our preseason rankings for 2021, and that'll be coming out uh, probably another month or so. We kind of plan on waiting until spring ball is over with before we release that, but we started working on it now. But how can the listeners get at you, man? If they need some fantasy professional advice, uh, what's that Twitter handle, bud? Okay, I'm on Twitter at Jeremy underscore Van Curen or AKA the fantasy professional, and that is J-E-R-E-M-Y underscore V-A-N-C-U-R-E-N. And uh, like you said, man, I'm wishing fan tracks would get off their butt. I mean, that way, I mean, we know who we're working some trades, man. Work trades, who all we have coming back. And then, I mean, I would like to kind of be able to do some research on this. It'd be nice. It'd be nice. Absolutely. So I'm sure they're probably waiting until maybe spring football uh, comes to an end. I'm, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt there. I spring hope that's break. what's happening. Yeah, yeah. So we <laughs> end of April, uh, it should be up and running. Uh, no excuses at that point. Well, well, brother, I appreciate you being in studio again. Hell, like I said, it feels like it's been a month, and I guess it has been a month, but I'm, I'm glad glad you're back and glad we were able to do it again here. And, uh, again, we'll kind of get back on a more normal schedule as spring ball is kind of starting to pick up and news starts to pop uh, with transfers and all that fun stuff. And, uh, again, we're working uh, on the weekends on our uh, fantasy rankings as well. And so we'll be uh, tweeting more about that and talking more about that in future pods here over the weeks and months to come. So, well, bud, I think that will wrap it up for this episode but remember gang the conversation doesn't end here to keep it going and to also keep up with everything we're doing online over at the sports pros network check us out at fantasysportspros.com or on twitter at sports underscore pros and remember that's pros with an e p-r-o-s-e take care everyone and we'll talk to you on the next one 